Sunday morning, no showers, some quiet music like YouTube, Pavarotti, something that just relaxed my mind. Go over my notes, what I was gonna say to the offensive lineman, what I was gonna say to the quarterback. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. It's another edition of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming to you from TCO Studios at Winter Park. Skull Stories here to take you beyond the gridiron. Tonight, it's another Hall of Famer. We're going to talk to John Randall. In fact, the one who's going to talk to him is going to join us right now. It's Craig Peters, one of our writers at Vikings.com with the Vikings Entertainment Network. We have to give Craig some credit. You had a discussion with John Randall, and you got a few words in yourself. That's hard to do. <laughs> no, he was great. I yeah. love his enthusiasm, his fire. Uh, still still contagious. Yes, um, it is. Uh, whether he's on the football field or the golf course, if he's in a competitive atmosphere, uh, his fire is lit. And it was for your conversation. You guys talked about a lot of great things. Um, but one thing we should note about Johnny is he was at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, for the Cowboys game as he and, and some other Vikings Hall of Famers got their Hall of Fame rings. Kind of a cool thing to witness. Absolutely. Very much special ceremony on the field. They mm-hmm. had a nice dinner the night before, told some great stories with each other, and uh, just just great that we have such a fantastic tradition. And Yeah. Yeah, you know, the Vikings do have a obviously a, a deep tradition. Um, a lot of it is with defensive players and defensive linemen, the Purple People Eaters, but John Randall is a, is kind of a throwback. He played in the in the 90s, but he he is just like those guys, those Purple People Eaters. Yeah, just uh the the wrecking crew mentality yep. of just I'm here to run an offensive line's day. Yep. We'll get to it right now. Here is Craig Peters' discussion with Hall of Famer John Randall. When you watch Everson Griffin on film, is it kind of like seeing a throwback mirror? <laughs> Actually, it, 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 it looked like it. You know, uh, his intensity, the talking to the offensive lineman, talking to the quarterback, getting in the quarterback's head, uh, the style of play, because uh, he's not a tall guy like a Jared Allen, but he's still able to get underneath the offensive lineman's pads. It, it reminded me of myself, and uh, uh, it just tells me that the Viking tradition carries on. Because the Vikings have always been known for their defense linemen. It's fun to see it, and at the same time, it brings a smile to my face to realize that the Vikings defense line is in great hands. He's got the same style, the intensity, the talking, talking to the referees, the, the talking offensive linemen, talking to the fans. That's the part of the game that makes it fun, makes it exciting, because having fun is such a big part of the game. You are having fun doing your, doing your hobby, because if you can treat football as your hobby, Having fun with it, man, it's just, you can be out there all day and uh, everyone notices it. Everyone sees it, sees you just having fun and uh, it just makes the game easy. Fans are unable to, to hear the, the smack talk that occurs along the line. Uh, Take us through a little bit of that. You know, the fans, everybody's cheering and stuff, so they might not hear it all, but when you see the quarterback talking to the defense lineman, that, that tells you that you're already in that quarterback's head. Because the quarterback's not supposed to be focusing on the defensive line. He's supposed to be focusing on them DBs, maybe trying to get in their head. But when the defensive lineman is talking to the starting quarterback, there's a problem going on. Because he's trying to talk to those guys. He's worried where Everson's at, and he's not even focusing on throwing the ball. So that's right there. It has taken the game away from the quarterback. And uh, for me, that puts a big smile on my face because he's doing his job. Well, we've heard Everson talk about beating a tackle and letting him know how he beat him. Did you ever do that? Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did do that. I used to do that myself. It, it's great when you can do that because 
when you're talking to offensive linemen and you're telling them that, and since I'm retired now and I see some of these old offensive linemen I used to play against, they tell you that they remember what you said to their teammate. They remember that. And the guys on the defensive line that play with you, they all go back. You go back to the huddle and you're going, man, I can't believe you told him that. And uh, when you can tell a guy that, that you own him, that gets in his head. He realizes that you're bringing it, that you're bringing your best game, and there's nothing he can do about it. What can you do? There's nothing you can do. So to me, yeah, it's reminding me of myself. And, man, I love it. You had the distinction of playing for Coach Patterson, our current defensive line coach. How did he help you, and what does he teach young defensive linemen? Uh, the most is with your hands. He teaches you how to use your hands, get your hands underneath the guys. He also teaches you how to stay comp uh, composed, go out there prepared, and to realize that in, the, uh, that in practice, that's where the game starts at, working your moves, creating your moves in practice to get them uh, ready for the game because by the time the game comes, you've already perfected your moves. And on Sunday, this is just like a cleanup day. But Dre's always been great about that. He's a guy who's, who gets you uh, intense, gets you ready and positive, and, uh, man, he's a great asset. Take us through the art of the setup. You come with the bull rush, straight power, then you have the spin, uh, then go back to the bull rush. What, what do you do to keep the uh, offensive lineman off balance? Well, setting the guy up is basically kind of like what you would have, like a safe answer, a bull rush. A bull rush, you kind of take him, you push him back, and you keep pushing him back on occasion, different different time you use the bull rush. That makes the offensive lineman sit down to because he's going to expect the bull rush. And once he's expecting the bull rush, that opens the inside move and the outside move. And when you can do that, you basically own the offensive lineman because if the worst case scenario, he'll try to tell the guard to slide towards him to help him out. And when he does that, that opens the game up for the guys on the inside. And uh, But it's just a, it's a unique thing to do it. A lot of guys try to try to work on having that bull rush, but a lot of guys don't have the strength to, to sustain it. It just opens your game up. You're undrafted yet unrelenting. Everson was drafted, but it was in the fourth round, which is no guarantee. How has his relentlessness helped him? Well, for me, it came from uh, just uh, being a, a free agent. You come in the game not expecting to be, to be in a National Football League. So you, you believe that the odds are against you. And I think a lot of it just comes from your heart. You go out there and you're going, you're getting a chance to play in the National Football League. The National Football League. That's that's an honor that so many people want to want to want to be in the National Football League. That's one of the reasons why there's fantasy football. And uh, but to go out there and to be in the National Football League, to be playing and starting, to make an impact. And uh, I mean, ever since played behind Jared. And uh, after you, know, you sit on the sideline watching him play, and you want to be in the game, but you can't. But all of a sudden, now here's your opportunity. Man, you want to get out there, you want to prove them, prove the to the team that they made the right decision by giving you a chance to play. So once you get out there, man, you're so excited. It's like being in your own backyard. Your friends are watching you all around the country, and you're in the National Football League. And he's showing you by watching them play with that nonstop motor that they made the right decision. He's coming out for the first quarter. Throughout the fourth quarter, intensity, hard working. Dude, that's definitely the way I played it. And uh, you only, like I said, you only see a few guys that can do it. And he's just a special treat to watch him play. And uh, I can just uh, think about what, what he's going to look like next year and the following years because he's just going to keep blooming like a flower. Going back to your career, 
I've heard this story, there's a chain, and I, I want to know more about it. What's, what's the story behind the chain? Okay, the version was I came into the National Football League, went at about 245, and um, the defense coordinator was named was uh, Floyd Peters. And he told me I need to get up to like 260 pounds in like a month or two. And I'm like trying to trying anything, eating peanut butter, trying to uh, eat cheeseburgers, and I wouldn't gain any weight. So I went to one of these hardware stores and bought a big old chain and uh, put my sweats on, put the chain underneath the sweats. I got on the scale, said 260. And they were, everybody was looking at me going, 260? Where are you hiding at 260? You know, and I kind of got off and was kind of like being smart mouth like, hey, you know what? I'm from Texas. Things in Texas are big. I'm a big guy. As I got off the scale, my chain made a little chink. And somebody said, kind of looked at me funny, like, I'm like, oh, just got a little necklace on. But that's how I weighed in my first year. And you played at 245? I did. My first game was against Kansas City. First play I got in, Chris Dobman breaks a shoelace. I go in, and I was third and, third and one. Tackle blocks down with the trap play. I closed it, and the guard was supposed to come and hit me, went around me. So as he went around, I looked out, saw the guard. Like, hmm? Looked inside. Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare. He's only running like a four or five at 260, and I'm 245. He hit me, his head was down. I just grabbed his head and fell down. His feet went up in the air. Uh, I stopped him, and I just got up. Everyone pat me on the head, blah, 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 blah. I'm just kind of looking around. I saw Chris Dolman, and I just went to the sideline. And my roommate was like, hey, nice job. I go, I don't know what I did, but dude, I'm thankful to be out of there. How did that validate to you that you could do this? Uh, it validated it big time because my next time I got in was maybe like three weeks later on a Monday night. Uh, once again, Chris Doman broke a shoelace. Yeah, that shoelace. I must have been cutting his shoelaces, right? I'm on the sideline and Doman breaks a shoelace and uh, Paul Wiggins, who was my defense line coach, we only carried one backup guy and that was me. I need a defensive lineman. There's only one, that's me. He turns around, looks me straight in the eyes, and grabs me and moves me to the side. Then to the other side and goes, I guess you're it. Third and long, I, I turn the corner and just reached out and grabbed something, pulled it down, Randall Cuttingham, my first sack. What kept you motivated even though you weren't getting game time? Uh, my dream, uh, I, I said I want to try out for the National Football League and so once I made the team, I wanted to uh, make the, play the whole season. And after being here for the, being a, trying to be here for the whole season, I just wanted to play. Uh, and I loved the game. Uh, I grew up idolizing the different football players, from a Bob Lilly, Lilly to a Mean Joe Green to being a Roger Starback. I just wanted to be, I wanted to live my dream of playing in the National Football League. And uh, I didn't want, to, didn't want it to end. And uh, coming out, coming here to Minnesota, giving me a chance to play, man, it was a dream come true. And um, after that first year, I wanted to play more. I wanted to be more involved. I wanted to be a, a starter. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to play next to Chris, Chris Dolman and Henry Thomas, play with those guys and uh, to be a, a purple people eater. You know, you had Freddie Zambaletti, the trainer, telling you these, these different stories about what it's like to be around Carla, Jim Marshall, Alan Page, and you know, a young kid from Texas. I'm like, wow, you know, I want to be one of those. I want to be 
a Viking. I want to go out there with, wear my purple and you know with my horns and show everybody what it's about to be in a National Football League for a free agent who wasn't expected to be here. Okay, we have more with Craig and Johnny Randall coming up after the break. Before we go to break, though, a programming note. Join guest host Chris Hockey along with Alex Boone at Clive's in Blaine on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. Also, scan your game tickets on the Vikings app for a chance to win big. All you have to do is link your tickets on the app and scan in at the entry gates, and you could win tickets to Super Bowl 52 at U.S. Bank Stadium, 2017 Vikings season tickets, or weekly autographed prizes. Please stay tuned because more with John Randall is coming up in a bit. Hey everyone, welcome back. You're listening to Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw. More coming up with our guest tonight, John Randall. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you to get your 2016 exclusive inaugural season gear at the Vikings Locker Room Store open at U.S. Bank Stadium. For novelty items and apparel, visit the official Vikings Locker Room Store at Mall of America U.S. Bank Stadium and online at Vikings Locker Room. If you go there, you might be able to find some throwback gear, maybe a John Randall jersey or picture. But for now, you'll have to settle for some discussion with the Hall of Famer. Here's more from John Randall. Jim Marshall, Alan Page, and Carl Eller have shared their school stories with us. What stories do you have about them? Oh, my God. I think my uh, best story was uh, one day I went into Freddie Zamberletti's office, and there was a gentleman sitting down, and... uh, I was asking Freddie about something, and uh, Freddie said, hey, Johnny, come up, uh, meet Jim Marshall. And turns around, it was like something, like everything just kind of stopped. And uh, I'm like, I was in such awe. And uh, that was my first time meeting meeting the guys. But my second, uh, probably uh, biggest moment was in Canton, Ohio, when I was getting ready to uh, get my jacket, um, Alan Page was there. And to see Alan Page, for me, was like, okay, anytime you want to take me right now, God, take me, because I just met, I'm about to meet Alan Page, and he's in Canton, Ohio, about to see me get my jacket. And I'm like, and just, I don't know, but for a kid from Texas, small town, dude, it was like meeting the president and, uh, you know, or winning uh, the Masters, getting a green jacket. Because I'm like, it doesn't get any better than this. It just doesn't. You've given a lot to the game. What did football give you? Oh, my God. Football's given me my family, um, the, the state of Minnesota, because I probably would have never come to the state of Minnesota. I mean, you know, yeah, 10,000 lakes and it freezes. But, man, this is my home state now. So... This has given me a new transition on life to where uh, being a part of the community, uh, doing charity works, uh, from working with the school St. David's um, to just uh, meeting uh, new people, new friends, uh, learning to play golf, uh, learning to fish, uh, just um, learning about the four seasons, which we really didn't have in Texas. But uh, this is it's, it's great. I just never would imagine it. And 
I feel as though there's an alarm clock that's supposed to go off and I'm hoping that it never does because I feel as if I'm living, I'm living a dream. You went from undrafted to the Hall of Fame, football's highest honor, a legend in the making. But I've heard that legend began well before the first snap of the game. How did you get ready every Sunday? Uh, game day ritual was um, uh, Sunday morning, no showers. Uh, after we got on the bus, got to the stadium, no shaking hands. Uh, they, I don't know if they still do, but they, have, they used to have the programs in the seats. I would take my program and switch it with Mike Morris, the center, me a lone snapper, or switch it with somebody else's program. Um, I would listen to some quiet music like U2, Pavarotti, something that just relaxed my mind. Um, then um, as a, before we go on the field, I would actually go in the, put my pads, put my shoulder pads on, put my jersey on, go in the shower, wet them down, loosen them up, uh, take some petroleum jelly, roll them underneath my pads, um, lay on the floor, and just kind of visualize the game in my head, go over my notes, what I was going to say to the offensive lineman, what I was going to say to the quarterback, talk to referees, figure out which refs, trying to remember which refs were, if they were going to throw a lot of flags on the defensive line, kind of get my ends with the ref, try to be nice to them before the game. Um, then let's see, what else? Um, uh, just making sure I was just... Uh, like Everson, just kind of, you saw him on the sideline just kind of getting that right frame of mind, trying to relax the body because you didn't want to be too intense. But from that point, uh, if we did the coin toss, not to shake my opponent's hands because they had bad vibes. Don't want to get those vibes on my, on my hands. But after the game, I would shake their hands. But that was kind of some of the things I did before the game. No showers? Uh, yeah, actually, during the whole week of practice, I would wear the same clothes. I mean, you shower here at practice, but when I got home, same clothes every day. But it was just things like that that, that you, I would do. Uh, because when you're kind of an undersized guy, you want every game, you have to approach it with 110%. You want to go out there, give it your all. Because you, you can't go out there and on a couple of plays take, take off. You got to go 110% every play. Because you never know when the sack is going to come. And uh, you may get in the first, second, third, or fourth quarter. You may get all your sacks in the fourth quarter, but you want to go out there and you want to, man, just give it your all. You didn't just come to the game to trash talk. You did your homework during the week. My list, would, I would uh, have to know the guys if he was married, if he had kids, where he lived at, uh, what type of car he drove. In the media, you have all his press guys and all that. So I would read all this stuff. I would read it at home at night and figure out the guys' wives, the kids, you know, sometimes on occasion, I'm not saying a lot of time, I may resort to talking about some guy's family. I'm just saying, it's an intense game. We must do what we must do. Figure out if he was left-handed, if he was right-handed, how many times he's been beat on a certain move. If he's got beat nine times on a spin move, I'm going to use a spin move on him. Stuff like that. And after the game, after we went back to the locker, I would go in my file and write down notes on the guy and what I had success on. On him about if I use a good spin move that worked and so if I played him again I'll pull out that file so that's stuff that I would do so you're using words to get in their head but you also had a certain look too. this intimidating face paint took it to a whole nother level oh the paint okay yeah the paint was uh, got origin originally started 
uh, with a guy named Derek Alexander. Derek Alexander was defensive end, so he came in one day and he wanted to do camouflage paint. You know, he wanted to do all the different colors. And I'm like, dude, I'm not doing all that. So I just reached in this black paint and kind of spread it underneath my eyes. And he's over there making like fingers, taking his fingers, rubbing across his face. And I'm like, oh my God, just kind of like, what are we doing? And I didn't notice that I had kind of rubbed it on my eyes and just kind of rubbed it around my head, around my top of my eyes. And I was like, and he goes, oh my God, dude, that looks sweet. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? So I went and looked in the mirror and I looked, I go, hmm. But I went out there and I got like three sacks and I go, and I'm a superstitious guy. From that point on, I'm going, every week, I'm doing this. Are you guys in there with me? Uh, no, we're not into this. We're just doing it this week, and that's it. I'm like, well, I'm on my own. I'm going to do it. And that's how the paint got started, and uh, I just enjoyed it. It got helped me get in the right frame of mind, helped me get more intense for the game, and uh, also got guys thinking I was really that off the wall, bizarre, and uh, I didn't mind it. I'm like, you know what? I got to do what I got to do for the team. If I got to do this, so be it. All right, there it is, John Randall. Craig, you did the interview. What uh, what stood out to you about your discussion with well, Johnny? I love the the story about the chain, about how he needed to weigh in heavier, and and so he, he snuck the chain on and and like tipped the scales, and people were surprised because they were looking at him. And I mean, he's one of the smaller defensive tackles ever, mm-hmm. but uh, I think he just did so much with what he had. And then uh, finding out the the backstory for the face paint that became so iconic. First time he tried that, and uh, I don't know about the no shower thing though. That, yeah, that, yeah, that's not my deal either. So he had some of the best game day rituals, and right. I'm curious about your game day rituals, <laughs> Bobby. Um, not nearly as entertaining. It, it's usually coffee in the morning because um, I guess I, you know, I'm so anxious for the game that I'm up so early that I know it's going to be a long day, so I need as much caffeine as I can get. So it has nothing to do with face pain or not showering. It has more to do with feeding my already over-the-top anxiety. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. All right, Vikings-Jaguars coming up on Sunday. Make sure you catch the game all across the Vikings radio network. Of course, voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, will have the call, and he'll be joined by Pete Bursich, Greg Coleman, and Ben Lieber. Again, that game kicks off at noon central time, so don't miss it. On behalf of Craig Peters and Skull Stories producer Nate Vaughn, I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw. This episode of Skull Stories is over. We thank you for listening and wish you a good night.